0: Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxMyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise, and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary status. Chris Hicks, uh, former probably best known as the uh, former baseball coach at Reedland High School, talking about
1: a story. Yeah, let's uh, go back to that story. You're on the mound, (laughs) okay? Anyway, we had this big team supposed to have this big team meeting that I held down in the classroom, and because I forget what it was about, but had to be important. It was important, you know. I'm sure it was some kind of psychological thing, and we're going to do this, you know, whatever. And I was all about. You know, we're going to, if you're going to get on the bus, you're on the bus at a certain time. And if we drove in cars, which we could do at that time, we all left the parking lot at the same time. Well, anyway, your brother and Dusty Todd, which was not a good combination to be together at the same time, for whatever reason, did not come to the team meeting. What well, did they, do you think it's that they didn't feel it was important? From what I was told, <laughs> dusty forgot his socks so they had to go by dusty's to get the socks i didn't care if dusty forgot whatever <laughs> you should have been at the team meeting or maybe communicate a little bit which they probably knew what the answer was going to be player play, play barefooted. i don't care yeah. so anyway my little thermometer was like one of those little cartoon characters and it was way up there to pass bowling and the more the more i've The closer I got to Brooks Stadium, the matter I was. So we're over there, and we're getting ready to take infield. And I was really considering not starting either one of them. And if I had enough backbone about myself, I wouldn't have. But sometimes you kind of got to lay principle aside. And I I justified it on the basis of it's not going to be fair to the other kids if I don't play them. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I slept that night. But anyway, they show up, and they're late. And your your brother did not want to come over there and talk to me, but he did. He was giving me all this stuff, and I'm sure I gave him the old butt chin with my pinky extended in his face. And I and I you came up after the game or sometime, and I I was so mad. I I know the solution to this problem because I'm going to tell Dax, and he's going to sing like a canary to Ronnie. <laughs> And when Ronnie gets done with Brandon, that will be enough punishment. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I think he probably made it crystal clear.
0: And, you know, thinking back on that story, um, I was glad to sing to, uh, to dad, uh, because that probably deflected something I had done or was, or maybe would do in the future. That bought me a little, uh, you know, a little grace from him. And
1: do you remember anything about the conversation? Oh, the place
0: oh that yes. Yes, I do. Uh, you know, and the thing is with dad, um, it's pretty much the same conversation you've seen a thousand times. And so, uh, I think you got through to Brandon pretty well. Uh, and, yeah.
1: And, and another one was involved dusty again, where we're playing a fungo game, which I was big on fungo games, putting yeah. the kids in defensive situations. Of course, forever error, we would run laps or whatever. And,
0: but they enjoyed it, and that's a fun, kind of a fun release. I don't know if they enjoyed it
1: or not, but we played fungo games, <laughs> which I learned from Coach Potts. But anyway, and I was big on when that third out is made, you better have your glove, you better have your hat, you better know what is, where it is somebody in the dugout better be getting it for you. And you're going to bust your butt on that field, and you're going to bust your butt off. And I actually would get a stopwatch, and I would time them, I remember. you know. Yeah. So anyway – Dusty's over there screwing around in the dugout or whatever. You just got to know Dusty. He was one of those kids that psychology came in to play because you had to make Dusty Todd think you were getting ready to kick him off the team every day. But I'm going to tell you what, if I was in Afghanistan, I would want him in my my foxhole. And when he transferred to Tillman to play football, that really hurt our team because he was one of those kids that that was a leader – if it meant losing every teeth in his head, a ground ball was not going to get by him at third base. But anyway, getting back to my story, Mm -hmm. everybody else was out there on the field, but I had no third baseman because Dusty was over there. He'd been jacking around, and he couldn't find his glove. So I'd just start throwing up the ball and hitting it in the empty third base position, and I would just say, there's a base hit where the third baseman should have (laughs) been. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't know. Uh, here we go again. There's a third baseman or a, a base hit where the third baseman should have been. And finally he got his glove out there. And I don't, I don't know, you know, what took place after that. But that was a classic. And mm. another one was when I got on a tirade about something. And Jason Hoover had been in a serious car accident. Yeah. And uh, he had been down in the woods, which we had a big woods down the left field line. And he was down there on an Easter egg hunt trying to find some foul balls. And I got mad about something, so I just stopped practicing. I got him out there on the left field line and we started running. Well, I didn't find it out till later, but I never even recognized Hoover wasn't up there. <laughs> he knew they were running, so he hid down in the woods. <laughs> that's all. Awesome. Till they all got done. And yeah, that's, that's a classic, but I've got so
0: many. Uh, he left to win his senior year to senior Tillman, year, right? right? Okay. So, uh, Dusty came out for the Legion team and of course you know we had chris haas at third base so really i mean dusty like you said was a good hard-nosed player but he wasn't chris haas first round draft choice so anyway shows up to tryouts has the tryout of his life i mean and you know doc would play an inner squad basically dusty is like 15 for 15 and just tearing the cover off the ball So Doc says, uh, Dax, he goes, go out there and strike his butt out and let's get this trial over with, you know. So I go to the mound. I'm going to blow it by him, right? I'm the college pitcher. He's a little high school kid. I throw him one, and he hits me dead square (laughs) in the middle of the back. So anyway, Doc comes out to the mound and goes, boy some fine pitcher you are <laughs> so we cut dusty you know and of course you know he and brand were friends so i saw him all the time so uh when he came to murray his freshman year he was in the dorm with me and so we we're talking one day and he says y'all did me wrong cutting me off that team you did me wrong and i said you know you're right dusty and i said but i want you to think of it from doc's perspective he goes okay he's seen you play all year he knows you're not a 15 for 15 hitter and you're not chris hosh do you agree you're not as good as chris and he's like yeah, probably. And I said, therefore, if you'd have tried out any other year, you'd have probably made the yeah. team, but they didn't have a spot for you. And I said, would you Would you have been happy sitting on the bench behind no. Chris Haas all year? And of course, he understood it then, but he, he would always rile me. Well, I got you, though. I got you. I said, yeah, you did get me. I mean, he hit me dead square in the back. I thought I was dead after when he popped me. But
1: Dusty, he would make me want to kill him. But, you know, when I retired, a lot of former players and mm-hmm. – people that I'd worked with and whatever, they gave me this really nice retirement get-together. And Dusty Todd wrote me one of the nicest letters. I mean, it makes me just almost want to come to tears. And that's, that's what it's all about. And I've had so many kids that were good kids that I have built relationships with, that I hunt with, that I fish with, you know, I see Chris Jones when I substitute teach at Redland Middle School, and that's what makes all the negatives, all the bus rides, all the hours. That's what makes it worth it. And sometimes I ask myself, if you knew what you were getting into, would you do it again? You know, I would mm-hmm. yeah. because of because of those things mm-hmm. you know that that have come out of it. But coaching's a young man's. Coaching is a young man's sport, yeah. and uh, I will say that of all the sports that I coach, and I wasn't a head coach in those other sports, but I think baseball is is the most time consuming sport that there is to coach. Yeah. Well, talk about real quick
0: some of your other sports. I know you helped with the other sports. Talk about that, and uh, you know, compare and contrast them to baseball, maybe.
1: Well, the first year I was really, we had a really good football team. I mean, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about which, what, football. Which, let me interrupt you, would have
0: been my junior year of high school. Been, uh, 80, 80, well, it would have been, I guess,
1: 80. 80. Well, the Fall of yeah. 87. Yeah. And uh, we had beat Heath that year, won the county championship, uh, just had a really good, really good football team. And, you know, I got to thank Steve Training, because even though I knew nothing about football, he. Helped me get that job. Him and Tony Burkine were integral in me getting hired at Reeland, and Donnie Rudolph hired me. And I've—I mean, I see a lot of those kids that was there on that football team. I see—I see those kids out, you know, and and I've got good friendships with them. And uh, and then you know, other years we struggled, uh, but it's the same thing. You're building relationships with kids, and then you know, I was—I helped. Tony, when I started out with girls' basketball, we had pretty good basketball teams in, and after I got into boys' basketball, Tony had real good teams with you know Kelly Keelan and Sherry Powers and those girls. It's just the success of wins and losses might not have been there, but it's still the same thing. You're dealing with kids and you're building relationships, even though maybe you didn't win a regional championship. It still doesn't take anything away from – what you got to experience with, with a different group of kids. Talking about Reedland,
0: something just occurred to me as you were talking about the girls basketball and the different sports. If you had someone in the first region that brought up Reedland you know, now, of course it's no longer high school, McCracken County gone, but you know, the legacy of Reedland there were a lot of good athletes that went through Reedland and at times they had really good sports. You know, I recall the 80, I believe it was the 84 or 82, I believe it was 84. Uh, Marshall County State Champion Girls Team. The toughest game they had until the championship game of the state tournament was the Reedland Lady Greyhounds. Mm-hmm. Celise Ellington, probably uh, when uh, Coach Cunningham was coaching, yeah, I believe. Yeah. It, you know they had strong teams, but you know with the size of the school, it was it was probably hard to uh, to be a consistent regional champion or or finalist. But for I'll tell you a quick story. You may have never heard about Reedland. when I transferred. Uh, to Marshall County as a freshman, that was the year that Osley and Melton and those guys yeah. went to the regional to finals. The regional finals. Yeah. So Hatcher pulls me in the office. We're watching game film. Uh, pulls me in the office to tell him the names of all the players because he knows I know them because I went to Reedland, And before I walked out of here, he told me, or out of the room, he said, if I had that team, I could win the state championship with them. Think about that. You know, they had three six fives across the front line. I think Doty and Henneke, I believe, were the guards. Uh, yeah, and he told me he said he said I believe I could win the state title with that team. And I was well. like, and I remember telling Dad, Dad, I've transferred up
1: here, and he tells me he could win the state title with Reedland. <laughs> here we go back to you think you might know what the situation is like, but yeah. you know it. Every situation is different. Yeah, so. I will say that Alan Hatcher is I think probably the one of the best, if not the best, basketball coaches that ever has been through the state of Kentucky. But still you've got to be in that situation until you really can say that. Yeah. yeah, And that's just in my opinion. Yeah,
0: I, I agree with you there. All right, Chris, you know, you were talking about that coaching's a young man sport and you know, you were in it for a lot of years. What advice or what would you distill all your experience? What would you tell a, a person getting into coaching? What
1: would be the the bits of wisdom or the nuggets that you would give them? I'm, re- you know, it's been 1999 since I was a head baseball coach, so I've been kind of re- far removed from that, and times are different now than they were. Uh, but one thing that a young coach is going to have to be able to do is he's going to have to deal with parents, and you know what. Parents can make your team or they can break your team. And I was lucky I had good parents. Now, a lot of them didn't agree with what I did. A lot of them were not always happy with what I did. But I, they, I never had a parent knowingly, to my knowledge, that went behind me and tried to destroy what I was trying to do with my team. That doesn't happen everywhere, and it doesn't take but one to do a whole lot of damage. In dealing with parents, I always had a parent meeting at the very start of the year, and I was upfront and honest about what my expectations were for my kids and what my expectations were for the parents and that I was going to treat their child with respect. Uh, I'm all about being out and honest and open and point blank and black and white. There's no no need kind of beating around the bush, and I'm going to be politically correct about it. But then, in dealing with parents, then you have, as part of your job as a teacher and a coach, you've got an administration to answer to, you know. So sometimes that might create a little problem with. You've got to have that support from administration. If you don't have that support, then it really hampers your ability. So, again, that kid, that young coach is is going to have to deal with parents, and and that that coach is going to have to come up with their own philosophy or their own way of, of dealing with that. The other thing that I would tell a young coach is that you've got to make sure that your kids know you're working. You can't be lazy. If you're going to be lazy, your kids are going to be lazy. You've got to show those kids that you might be on their rear end, but you're not going to be in the bunker, that your sleeves are rolled up and that if they need someone in their corner, you're going to be there. That's the way you get kids to buy into what you do, and and to bleed for you, you know, and play for you on the field or the court or whatever. And then you got to outwork your opponent, whatever it takes. If your if your talent level is not the level of somebody else, then you make up for it for outworking them. Now you still may not beat them, but if you're squeezing every ounce. Of everything you've got, out of the kids that you've got, if you win five games, you've been successful, and don't let anybody tell you that you weren't. But and you've got to put those kids in pressure situations in practice, to where when they get into the game, they've they haven't been in maybe in a game, but they've been in there in practice, and that way it's going to give them a chance to be successful. And then when it comes down to individuals, you've got to put kids in places where they can be successful. If, if a kid can't hit a curveball, you know you don't need them batting in the third place or the fourth place or the fifth place in the lineup. If a kid doesn't have a very good arm, then you've got to play him on second base instead of third. If you, if you don't put a kid in a situation where they be, can be successful, that kid's doomed and he's not going to help your team. And the other thing that I that – I, part of my philosophy, whether it was right or wrong, uh, a lot of coaches tried to win every single game that they played. Now, I wanted to win every single game that I played, but I knew that in March, if I got beat, big deal. Because what I was playing for was a tournament. And I would give kids a chance. Some coaches call them mama games. I've made sure everybody on my team had an opportunity to play. And part of that was because, okay, I can go back to that parent and I say, "Okay, your son's secret agent double o seven. That's what he's batting for the year, and that's why he's not playing." They're still going to argue with you, but made me sleep better at night. But the big thing about that is, not only are are you letting other people say that this see that this kid can or he can't get it done. Every year, and I'm on Justin Corsi. When I kept that kid, that's another good story about him. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) with a in the gym, but I won't go there. but I kept that kid. He, you know, he was just one of those. He was a big if. He didn't stand out in practice, but when that kid got a chance to play, he delivered. And he played his way in the lineup. Yeah. Because here's what happens to you every year. Every year, every season that I coach, one of my best players, and I remember Jamie Lee, hurt his, hurt his leg and he was out for a while. Justin Corsi was the kid that stepped up into that position. When you, If you get to tournament time and you've played nine guys all year long and one of your studs gets hurt, you going to throw some kid in the fire that has no experience? So by giving all these kids an opportunity to play, you find out a lot of things, you know, and you build depth. And that depth that you build by getting that kid in the in, in the lineup is going to help you somewhere down the road. And a lot of times you're going to find out that kid may not stand out in practice, but he's a gamer. What you
0: say there, and especially the, I think this is really big in in baseball especially, Nobody remembers your record. Can you tell me the records of your teams for the most part?
1: Tell I know it. one year in 97 we won 30 games, I think, you know, but it's – no, I can't remember what I did five minutes ago now at my age. But <laughs> but you remember those four regionals I you I do want. that.
0: Yeah and, yeah, and by playing those kids that contributed later, that surprised you, that, that took a slot that maybe you didn't anticipate, that you didn't have them penciled in that slot – you were able to win a regional, which will stick with you, and people remember that. I remember who won the regional every year I played, and I can remember one year our kind of our record. But people forget wins and losses, especially in baseball. But but winning those regionals is what people remember.
1: And you know, and and kids, if they're buying into what you're trying to get them to buy into, they realize. And a lot, of, you know, you got to talk to that kid a little bit, you know, and explain things to them. To make them understand it but they realize what their role is that every time so-and-so pitches because he plays shortstop i'm going to play shortstop now i may not be there but every four days that mm. that's my job or when so and so catches i'm going to be the dh you know i'm just throwing that out there yeah uh so kids recognize that and it, it also gives them something to look forward to and if they know that they're going to be doing something to contribute to the team then they have a reason to work hard in practice instead of just saying, it's pointless. You know, why am I doing that? But you know, I, I was just blessed with actually I, I mean, I I know I had enough talent that I could have won a regional or not I, but but we could have won regional championships ninety-one, ninety two, ninety-three, and ninety-four. But you know what? Baseball is a crazy game. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always go the way you want it to go.
0: Well, you know, when, when Shane and I were preparing for this, uh, one of the questions that we were going to throw at you, which I'll throw at you now, is, you know, you were probably the underdog in 91, maybe 92 when you won. But but correct me if I'm wrong, 93, 94, you were
1: probably one of the favorites. If so, not the favorite. Yeah, 91, we were just unheard of. We mm-hmm. came out of... We came out of nowhere, beat Tillman in the open round of the di- the district. And then I think that's what really gave my kids a bunch of confidence. And uh, I think we beat Carlisle County the next game. And we played Lone Oak tough in the district. And uh, it's kind of the same situation, but this time we just came out. So in 92, we were established, you know, and we were able to win that year. And weather played such a big factor in that because St. Mary had Chris Haas. Mm-hmm. And – uh You know, I had to throw uh, Shorty in the first game. Can't even remember who we beat. Uh, Oh, this is Marshall County. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, Coach Bach had – that had a big thing about uh, Scotty Chambers and that you could just put – Scotty and the catcher out there, and you didn't need any other infielder. So I cut that article out, and I put a big thing up there about Scotty in the wheelchair seven.
0: <laughs> <You> Brandon, <know. laughs> Brandon was telling
1: me that I actually told Scotty that story this weekend or last weekend at alumni game about that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know we got off to a good start in that game and won, and then but anyway, it, it rained and uh, that Saint Mary had to throw Chris Haas more innings than they than they really. They just had to, you know. But anyway, my kid got the rest, mm-hmm. and and Chris didn't get enough rest to come back and be eligible. And we beat Saint Mary in a slugfest, and you know, and so weather comes into play. And in '93 and '94, things just didn't come out our way. '97, uh, we had a real good team, and I don't know if you'd say we upset Graves County or not, but we was always like beating Graves County. There was. Uh, That was one of our rivals, and we were fortunate enough to beat them. And then 99 was another team that just was exactly like 91. Mm -hmm. Had a lot of talent, had some unproven uh, upperclassmen, and everything just got on a roll, and we came out of nowhere. And, and, you know, some teams that really were probably better than us on paper, well, there's no doubt about it, they were better than us on paper. They got upset, and, you know, we were able to win. So sometimes i guess the man above has a, has a plan for all of us even in sports and that's the way it plays out yeah uh but i had a lot of good a lot of lot of lot of good parents and a lot of good kids and i was blessed i had a lot of fun with it you know again it comes down to it's not about me as a coach it was about what those kids did and You've got to have the type of kid that wants to be led a little bit and and, and, and be given a little direction and they've got to buy into what you're trying to get them to do talk about real quick
0: uh, you know you're talking about having the the backing of administration is there anybody you
1: want to talk about Tom Fusco and Wayne Ezel when I as head coaches they were they were my administrators and you know Tom came to the games and and, and Tom was one that uh, he would let you know if you were doing something wrong, but he also was going to support you as a coach. If you had a, an issue with a parent or if you needed this or if you needed that, uh, and I always made sure that with my administrators, if I had a problem, I made sure they knew because I for darn sure did not want them to get blindsided. And then like Wayne and Wayne was a big supporter, but I had this thing with Wayne. I wouldn't even let him come to the games. Because every time Wayne – we could be winning 10 to nothing and Wayne Ezell walks in Brooks Stadium and the next thing I know we're down 15 to 10. He was like the the, the the dark cloud. He drove the bus for us a lot of times. Wayne could drive the bus to the game, but he had to turn around and come home for Murray because he was not allowed to stay at the game. And I always made a point, you know, at, at the end of the year – to tell people why Wayne didn't come to the game (laughs) because Chris wouldn't let him come to the game. (laughs) And not that I was superstitious or anything like that.
0: No baseball players or coaches are ever superstitious. Have you ever stepped on a line walking on? Absolutely
1: not. I wouldn't think so. (laughs) I guess the last thing I would probably give a, a young coach advice about is, is, is in putting those kids in that position in practice, pay attention to detail. I was always big on detail because I did not accept a kid not running the bases correctly or not having the correct angle of the bat when you're putting the bunt down uh, or missing uh, one of my big pet peeves was missing the cutoff man. You know, so pay attention to detail. Don't accept a kid doing it. 75% correctly because that's going to get you beat in a ball game and I mean and I again the discipline part about kids need that discipline. I mean, I would line my kids up before game and and I would tell them we're going to have inspection tomorrow and I would check their shoes. And if their shoes weren't polished, we ran. Uh you know, if your uniform wasn't clean, we're going to run. Make them run on and off the field. I couldn't, I could not stand watching these other teams walk around. It just made me, it made me sick to my stomach. I always called it drag butt baseball. Yeah. You know, we're not going to play drag butt baseball at Reedland. We're going to run on the field. We're going to run off the field. We're going to have class. We're going to play with our bats and our gloves, not our mouth. We're not going to talk back to an umpire. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of class that you're building and your kids buy into that. And then, you know, we're part of the, the coaching thing is not just about winning or losing. It's also teaching these kids things that are going to make them successful in life.
0: You know, the things you just spoke to we've, is, we've seen is a, a line that runs through all successful coaches is doing things correctly, doing them right, not accepting incorrect play or incorrect fundamentals, making sure the bunt – you know, you talk about the bunt – you talk about running on off the field. And that's one thing that, that I have seen since we've started doing this, and Shane can back me up on this, you hear that from all successful coaches is do it correctly, do it right. And you can't accept them not doing it correctly because, as you said, it will get you beat. And it goes forward exactly what you said. It goes forward into life. When you walk into an interview, there's a correct way to go speak to someone. There's a correct way to be on time. Your shoes polished. you gotta, uh, You got to look good,
1: look sharp. And, and that, I think that's a, a great point you make. Very good. Those life skills that you're trying to teach kids, and I guess probably the thing that makes me the most proud, it's not a ref, reflection on me. I'd like to think some of it is mainly the parents. But of all the kids that I coached, I can't – and I'm t- you know talking about in baseball because I was a head coach – so I'm ultimately responsible for that. I, unless I'm wrong, I don't have one kid that I've ever read about in the newspaper about being in trouble, uh, it being involved in something that they shouldn't have been involved in. And I've got kids that have, you know, uh, you know, Andy Bill's a minister played uh, played a little AAA played baseball, played a little AAA correct? baseball, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm just I'm I'm leaving. You know, I can't mention everybody, but Chris Jones, successful teacher, works for FLW Outdoors. You know, I got Brandon works at a at a plant. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on about all these kids that that are successful, uh, contributing members of society. And I didn't have probably a whole lot to do with that, but I'd like to think maybe I had a little bit of impact in that, and maybe they learned something. About hard work or discipline for me, and that's what we're that's what we're trying to do here with these kids. Because really, at the end of the
0: day, you had two or three got paid to play baseball at some point, maybe maybe a couple more than that, maybe a few less. But at the end of the day, most people never play with a major leaguer or or coach a major leaguer. You were lucky; you had a couple guys get really close to the bigs, and and so. But at the end of the day, it is about making good citizens, making sure they contribute. And you're right. I, as you were going through the list, I was thinking to myself, are there any Reeling kids that I can think of that that played for you? And I, and I can't. They're all doing – when we see them, they're all doing well. You know, Brandon's still in touch with almost all the guys mm-hmm. that he played with, and they're all doing really well. So, yeah, you you make a really good point there. What do, you, what do you think that excitement was? What was it that excited you about coming here and talking to us here on the com?
1: Just being able to come in and be around people that enjoy sports. You know, I like what y'all are doing. I think it's exciting. Uh, and it just brings back so many fond memories of, of things that are important to me that have been a big part of my life that I never will ever, ever forget. And you know what? Nobody can ever take those things that I've experienced away from me. They may say this about me or that about me, but they can't say that I wasn't part of something or that I didn't get to have a relationship with this kid. And that's important to me, you know, and I'm proud of it. Uh, And like I said, you know, I had people put that retirement program on or little retirement deal on for me. And I had a lot of former players come out there, and just it just makes you feel good. It's like, you know what? Maybe I did do something with my life that helps somebody out. You know, maybe, maybe there was something that came out of this. Uh, that you may not even realize. That I didn't even realize, maybe. Yeah. That goes beyond just a baseball game. And,
0: and you know – Man, to hit that point, I had uh, someone call me the other day. We were talking, and they said, hey, I ran in somebody and knew you. And they told a story about me on a ball field that I, I don't remember at all. But the, they told me that they told the story very vividly. And, and the peop- person telling me the story, it sounds like something that probably happened. But I thought, you know, the, right there is an example of where something I did made an impression on someone that I had no idea that I did.
1: And you probably have got a million of those. And and you, the thing that kids need to realize is you don't know if that's going to be a good impression or you don't know if that's going to be a bad impression. My dad always told me this when I was growing up because he could make an impression on me like your dad <laughs> could on you yes, real quick. Did. He said, you know, uh, you can sp- – Save a person from drowning down at the foot of Broadway, but the first time you go out and do something wrong, they're going to forget about the good thing you did, and they're going to remember the negative thing you did. That's right. That's awesome.
0: Well, Chris, thanks a lot, man. We really enjoyed you. And you know, I'm we may have to bring you back. You uh, you know, I'm sure you'll think of another
1: story I'm next sure I week. Will. Oh, I've got a lot more stories <laughs>
0: that I didn't even get to. We may have to start a whole new website just for <laughs> stories. <laughs> stories of Western Kentucky. So again, Chris, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it.
1: Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me.